Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast, the must-listen show for single women struggling to attain or sustain a romantic relationship. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, author, speaker, and according to the Times Magazine, one of the UK's most successful love coaches. Before that, I was a serial cheat and obsessive love addict, but I'm now a bride-to-be and in the best relationship of my life. So, If you're trying to do the work on your love life, you are definitely in the right place. But here on the Love Is Coming podcast, we serve your education with a side of entertainment. Expect serious stuff talked about not so seriously, solo agony on episodes with yours truly, and guest episodes showcasing some of the best in the biz in ways you've never seen them before. So, got a dating dilemma? Swiping right but haven't yet found Mr. Right? then let's get raw, real, and a little bit inappropriate because love is coming for your baby in more ways than one. Here we are. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Thrilled to have you back on the Love Is Coming podcast, listening to it rather, should I say. And I'm even more thrilled that today I'm talking to my friend, Lauren Wild. I'm actually Lauren Windmill. (laughs) I can't believe that that. I'm already being subjected to this trolling. Um, Someone at school did used to call me Lauren Windmill, and I've I've been insulted in more creative ways, I've got to say. Oh, go on. I know it's not not the most creative. Go on. Before we even start, I want to know, what's one of the best creative insults Well, I once had someone write me a letter to Lauren Swindle and we were like having a debate about like some sort I thought they'd ripped me off it was a company and that was like their official response and I remember being like look if this is some kind of subliminal message that you're going to pretend is a typo <laughs> Lauren Swindle I like that and it was it just they an claimed it was but I'm seriously suspicious I think they were being vicious mm. you know yeah Passive aggressive. Well, Lauren Windle, it's lovely to have you on the show. We are going to be talking today about how to date in a thin market. So for anyone who doesn't know Lauren, Lauren is a journalist. She's a speaker and author of the brilliant upcoming book, Notes on Love. And actually, when this episode goes live, it may well already be out. Lauren, how are you? Good. I'm good. I'm excited to be chatting to you. And I did think beforehand that I haven't like prepared any notes, but I feel like if if I run out of things to say, you'll carry it because you really know what you're doing. (laughs) Oh, don't worry. I can speak for England. I can speak for the both of us. Don't worry. No, we will. There will be plenty (laughs) to talk about. I think what we should first do is Explain what on earth a thin market is, because the, if you're listening, well, you obviously are listening. If I just said that, but um, you will have, you will know what we mean by this, but you might not understand the terminology. So, can you just unpack what a thin market is? Yeah. In the dating so, context? I, as you say, everyone will be aware of the concept. I got the term thin markets from Aziz Ansari's book Modern Romance, and I loved it. So, I've really jumped on it, and I'm just. I'm trying to make it a thing, you know. Um, But basically, if you're someone who dates in a thin market, it means that there's a specific criteria that you're looking for that means that you don't have the option of just walking into a bar and picking the first person that you see. It may be that you are Mm -hmm. over 70 and you want to date um, older people around your age, and that is a smaller market than the sort of mainstream, you know, straight, cis 30s 
you know, 20s and 30s that you'd get on most mm-hmm. apps. Um, same goes for people in the LGBTQ plus community. They are looking for a specific group to date with. And also the angle that I come at it from is religion. So if you're Jewish and you want to date someone Jewish or Muslim and you'd like to date someone Muslim or Christian as I am and you want to meet someone who's Christian, basically you are, you're fishing in a smaller pool, which just adds an additional complication. Mm-hmm. But I've got to say, particularly when I speak to women, or maybe that's mean, maybe both, it seems to me that to a certain extent, everyone feels like they're in a thin market. Everyone's kind of looking around going like, mm-hmm. why does it feel like there's no one to date right now? Um, why does it feel like all the mm-hmm. good ones are taken? Why can I never find anyone? So I think a lot of people will relate to the concept, but I suppose the term thin market is specifically for people with like a niche requirement. Mm-hmm. Niche, niche dating. dating. Yeah. Niche dating, essentially. Like it. Okay, so I'm not sure how you're going to respond to the, the next segment, but I'm I'm just getting my uh, timer out. Ooh. Let's just say that. Okay, not my calculator. Hold on, I've gone I've gone blank. Okay, oh, I, clock, love, that's what I love to for. answer questions timer. under pressure. Okay, great. Well, you're going to love this then. This segment is called 60 mm-hmm. Second Summary, and I want you, in, in 60 seconds, Lauren, I'll okay. give you a warning at 30, to just share your experience of dating in a thin market, which essentially is what what led you to write this book in the first I'm place. Ready. Are you ready? She's ready. Okay, three, two, I one. I found go. so I wasn't always Christian. I became Christian when I was twenty five, and I thought I was just going to have like loads of options. People would be really serious about dating in the church because you know, lots of people are aiming for marriage and all of that kind of stuff. But actually what I found was particularly where women outnumber men dramatically, so there's far fewer blokes available today, was that people were quite picky. Okay, people were quite picky. People were quite difficult. Um, You can feel quite like despairing when you're looking around at who your options are. And often you can feel like the only people available are ones that if you were not in that thin market, you wouldn't really usually consider dating. And you can feel maybe a bit low self-esteem about sort of compromising on standards that, that I felt I had before when I was pre-25. Did you enjoy that drum? Oh, hold on. The time has gone off. I tried to do a really dramatic drum thing there. On I just pressed a button on Zencaster. I don't know how good it was. I'm going to just do it again. Just, just oh, <laughs> quite like that. Yeah. I'm going to do that more often throughout the episode. It says, you know. It's sound effects. There's a dramatic piano. Let's see what that is. Oh. Oh, I wish I played some of that during <laughs> How do I stop it? Why would you Okay, it fades out. Okay, right. Sorry, sorry, I got I got overexcited there. Lauren, okay, you said so much there that we're gonna have to unpack more. Um more you, than you can do in 60 seconds. I personally know your story and it's a very fascinating story, and I would love you to share it with the listeners. So let's go back to you turning Christian when you're 25. So 25, tw- it's interesting because 25 is the time for me where yeah, everything yeah, changed yeah. very dramatically yeah. in my life as well. Quarter yeah, life I've crisis, if you I will. Know. Oh dear, <laughs> sorry. Yes, 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 yes. So, 
So what was it that led you to becoming a Christian when you were 25? Um, yeah, so that is really interesting. I ha- I mean, you're no stranger to messy lifestyles and, you know, making decisions that don't sort of serve yourself long term. And I got into that pattern and things got really out of control for me. Um, so from uh, so I basically was an alcoholic and I took loads of drugs, took a whole load of cocaine. And along with that, had that sort of addict lifestyle. And I, I, you know, everyone's experience of addiction is, is different, but I kind of say that like broad brush, because I think people know roughly what I'm talking about, sort of chaoticness, not being very reliable, lying, being a bit manipulative, um, pushing the good people in my life away from me and focusing on like, just a kind of reckless lifestyle. And in terms of my love life, it meant that I ended up dating people who like, took as many drugs as I did and not people, you know, which is just a shockingly bad criteria for a partner. <laughs> yeah. How, how many drugs do you take? How many? Oh, no, not enough. Sorry, everyone's <laughs> checklist, really. Um, but yeah, and that those guys, I mean, it goes without saying that they were not looking out for my growth and my potential and championing me and we weren't a team it was just really messy and constantly hung over and on come downs or high and drunk and horrible so a series of sort of rock bottom incidents happened and I moved to France I moved to a different country to try and escape sort of the bad lifestyle and the people and um, eventually my friend staged a sort of intervention and told me to go off to a recovery group, which I did. And they started talking about this concept of a higher power and this kind of spiritual element that they felt was so important for people who want to live a healthy, balanced lifestyle where they don't try and claim control for themselves. And um, obviously in those groups, that does not have to be the Christian God it's God as you understand him so lots of people have have got very different ideas of what that is but for me I had like been raised going to church but like loads of people who are raised going to church stopped as soon as I was kind of allowed to basically um and I thought well I'll rock up at a church again and see if that speaks to me and and it did um so that's kind of where I've stayed and that was seven years ago um and since then I've moved back mm-hmm. to London and gotten really stuck into church community and I run a recovery course for people who struggle with addiction through the church um, and and then kind of through mentoring women and sponsoring people, it became apparent that um, a huge a huge problem for so many people, and I only ever mentor and sponsor women. Um, was their relationships and their relationship with themselves and their relationship with men. I mean, you know, and the way, the things that they were settling for, the way that they've been treated. And and this was kind of a broad spectrum of, of some people were not religious at all. Some people were sort of spiritual and some people were Christian. And it really didn't seem to have much difference. You know, everyone felt a little bit hard done by. So I kind of decided to explore that by writing the book that you referenced, Notes on Love. Um, And obviously that is coming from, well, not obviously, but that is coming from the perspective of someone who's being single and doing their best to date in a church environment. Um, And so that's the kind of thin market that I have the most experience of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's worth mentioning that 
actually how I know Lauren is from church. We met, God, I've lost all sense of time. Some years ago, some years ago at a church in London. And um, I, I've i actually written a chapter in my my book about church because I grew up going to church as well. Um, it Well, the Christian Union camp that was part of my school and that was a, a way that I really dealt with um, my parents' addiction as I was growing up and it was a, an amazing support. Um, and there's so many wonderful things about church and I kind of came back to church when I got onto sort of my um healing journey in my mid 20s and i and i was there for some some years and there was so much great you know a lot of good there i ended up dating someone from the church and and so that was a that was a very interesting experience um i i think what i found hard is what you i love that your book really goes there and and asks some difficult questions and, you know, you really, you go there and I, I found sometimes in church and, and this is probably me projecting to a degree as well, but some of those uncomfortable questions that, it, because I guess that there's not necessarily yeah. a hard and fast answer that people didn't want to go there. And would you say that, I mean, in a thin market, so whether it's, you know, dating around religion or, um, you know, your, your preference your sexuality whatever the you know maybe some people maybe you know they're they're into golf and they want to marry someone who is equally into golf like that there's all sorts of different things it could be but do you think that particularly when it comes to a religious context that that the 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 stigma around talking about and addressing these tricky subjects like how does that contribute to the problem yeah, it is. It's a funny one. And I think if you haven't been in church circles, it's hard to sort of realize how how that stuff can play out. Um, for example, mm-hmm. if you are a person who would ideally like to date a golf, another golfer, then if you met someone who mm-hmm. actually doesn't really like golf, then it's kind of up to you if you choose to compromise on that and how you choose to make that that work for the two of you. Um, with mm-hmm. religion, that is still the case. You may fall in love with someone who doesn't share your religion, um, but it's slightly more complicated because of the expectations of the people in the church. And, mm. you know, <laughs> it's it's kind of common knowledge that Christians haven't always represented the sort of loving element of God in the way that we would hope that mm. they they did. So there are times where people have felt really judged for that and really, mm. you know, and really sort of cast out if they get into that kind of situation and they found that very difficult. And I think that ultimately the church is about welcoming people regardless of, of what stage they're at and what decisions they make because no one mm-hmm. no one can claim that they mm-hmm. always make the right decisions. No one can claim that they even know what the right decisions are 100% of the time. You know, the, the Bible does not mm-hmm. give solutions. It gives wisdom. But wisdom can always be interpreted and implied and often, actually quite often, wrongly. You know, when you look around at the pain that's been caused mm-hmm. by the wisdom of people interpreting religion, you know, there are there are wars and yeah. and a lot of pain that people have, have suffered. 
So yeah, it's a it's a case of of sort of connecting with with God and working out what feels right for you in your life and kind of encouraging other people to do the same without judging or dictating where they should end up after exploring that. Um mm-hmm. But yes, it's mm-hmm. very difficult because if you do something that is outside of what is considered the norm or in fact, lots of people do stuff that is outside of what is considered right, um, but they sort of just hide it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a person yeah. who, who does that, you can feel like you're maybe being a bit deceitful, hiding things from a group that's supposed to be your your community, mm-hmm. your family, which is definitely something that, that people in church do struggle with do you know this is such an interesting point you raise we've talked about addiction and we're talking about church and there's a quote that we actually shared in the inner fix that i'm pretty sure is a 12-step quote one of those that you just don't know where it came from so it's probably 12-step room we're only as sick as the secrets we keep i found where that played out me keeping secrets Mm -hmm. was in my love life when i was doing i was up to no good cheating and all sorts But I also found in church, when I wasn't doing something that someone outside of the church context might have perceived as being wrong, but I, and again, it comes back to projection, I thought, well, this is how the people in the church are going to respond. I didn't know that they were, Mm. but I thought that's how it was going to be. And so I would find that I would hide parts of myself. I would adapt parts of myself. I would edit parts of myself. And... I think that in any, whatever, you know, I I think shame and secrecy are very inextricably linked. And I think that they play out in pretty much every single possible kind of um, environment, really, especially when it's a a close community. Like think think of like, you know, village life. I mean, we we were in a village. No one, no one really knows us, but our neighbors do. It's like, it's that, it's that sort of small, um, small Mm. group mentality where everyone knows each other's business and there's gossip and 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 I certainly listen I absolutely partook in that in church because it was it was fun and it was exciting to talk about who fancied who and who was dating who and all of this sort of stuff but then I would always have that like feeling of like you know when you if you eat like a massive cake or something and then afterwards you feel a bit sick because you just know like that was probably unnecessary indulging quite so heavily in that so how does one navigate you know, I guess particularly in a church environment, but really any environment where there is an element of um, you feel like you mm. don't want to be gossiped about or you're you're worried about uh, dating in that context because you're worried of what other people are going to think. Because mm. if it's a thin market, it tends to be that people in that market mm. get to know mm. each other. Yeah. Do you know what yes. I mean? That's it. I mean, with a smaller pool, it presents, challenges doesn't it because you know you may have already dated someone who knows the person that you're now trying to date or your mate might have dated someone or you know it can just get around really quickly that that's I think I do you know what I always feel most gossiped about when I do a lot of gossiping (laughs) so there's definitely an element of like keep yourself 
in check and it won't control whether or not people are talking about you but it might control your perception of how much mm-hmm. people are talking about you and actually at the end of the day that's probably all yeah. that matters I don't I mean you can't stop yeah. people from gossiping and as much as you know mm-hmm. well we've already covered people in church are not perfect as much as I'd like to say like oh gossiping doesn't go on mm-hmm. in the church like it does um and and I'm sure yeah. it does in in any of those kind of smaller groups, which which end up being a, a, just a social circle where everyone kind of mixes together and and romance blossoms in various places. Um, so I definitely think keeping yourself in check. I I've got a, I've got a sort of theory that if you're if you have to keep a relationship a secret, you shouldn't be in it. So I don't want to encourage people yeah. to like hide if they're dating someone. And actually, I think yeah. the best way to to free up, free people up from this sort of, oh, will people talk about me? Will it make a difference? Or maybe I shouldn't date that person because then I can't date their mates. It's just, particularly in the initial stages, to take dating really casually, to just agree for coffee, to go mm-hmm. on coffees, to, to go for drinks, not to like overthink things, not to project five years into the future, not to pin your hopes on one date but just to explore options as they arise and not to take it too seriously as well. And if everyone did that, everyone yes. would stop talking because it's like, yeah, of course they're going for a coffee. Everyone should go for a coffee and see if they fancy each other. That's normal. You know, it's when it's the more we mm-hmm. try and clamber at these secrets and keep everything private, the more people want to spread it when they hear something. So I think transparency probably yeah. doesn't hurt. But I mean, it, it takes bravery to do that, particularly if you're like trying to trailblaze it in your group. <laughs> yeah, I did the opposite of what you suggested when I got into like, it was all secrets mm-hmm. and drama, which was, you know, I was still too early, really, in my healing journey around re- relationships and, and everything at that point. Um, and so when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I created all of that myself. And you're absolutely right. It's such <laughs> good advice, Lauren. If you're having to keep the relationship a secret, you've got to question whether you really you should be in it. So, you know, that might be you're, you're dating your best friend's ex. And it's, you know, that's you've got to be careful with something like that. And it's not saying that can't work, but, you know, maybe instead of keeping it a secret, you talk to your friend as an example. I'm all, I, you know, my book, I talk very much just about like honesty is so <laughs> underrated these days, you know, like it, we, we make it so much more complicated for yeah. ourselves than it needs to be just being upfront. And I think we do that. And the irony is, I think a lot of the time we do it with the best will in the world. Like we think we don't want to hurt someone unnecessarily. So we think by not sharing something, it helps, but maybe before you get emotionally invested in your friend's ex, you would you could talk to them and say, listen, I'll be honest, I fancy them a bit and I'd really love to go to coffee, but I totally get that that, that may be well off the limit. You might be, she may well go, yeah, you're right, <laughs> off limits. Or she might go, I was with him a yeah. decade ago, I'm over it, like good, yeah, go and yeah. have fun, you know? You just don't know, but I think don't, the earlier the better before you get too emotionally involved. And that same with dating as well is, you know, uh, I know in the church there's, well, in the Bible, as I understand, it says no sex before marriage. I never did that well with that one, if I'm honest. <laughs> but I also get yeah. the logic in it for several reasons. I get that 
Um, if you were to get with child, it makes things a little bit more complicated if you're not in a committed relationship where, you know, et cetera. Um, and I also get that um, from a woman's perspective, women and men, we have different biological reactions to sex with as women when we have sex we release oxytocin which is the cuddle hormone meaning that we Mm. we bond with that person um whereas a man is able to have sex and you know he releases dopamine enjoys it doesn't mean he's bonded to you so Mm. i do see the the good sense in there but i also from being on the inside of it of church i think sex i mean i think in any situation sex throws up everything doesn't it so so what 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 do you have to say about thin market and sex and the complications that arise? Yeah. Any wisdom Before around that? Before I say anything about that, your point on honesty, I was literally just about yeah. to say like, oh, I heard someone say this thing that I thought was really helpful. And actually, I think it was you on one of your podcasts. So if I'm quoting yeah. you, apologies, because I say this a lot. It, it might not have been, but I just thought like, I think I'm about to quote Persia back at herself. Um, is that when you first turn <laughs> up on a date, if someone says like, oh, I'm just looking for something really casual, we sh- like, sometimes we can have a tendency to be like, yeah, yeah, me too. And assume that like a year down the line, yeah. they will have realized that they're so in love with us that they couldn't possibly just have something casual. But actually, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I've thought a lot about that since I heard, I'm pretty sure you said it. Um, and just say like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, well, yeah. look, I've really enjoyed this drink. But ultimately, I'm looking for someone who is in a place where they want to commit. And I don't need you to know that you want to marry me now. But if you know you definitely don't, I'd rather just call it. And I like have so much respect when people speak that yeah. honestly. I think that's so valuable. So yes. if that was your advice, thank you. Because I've really played. It was my advice. And I just, let's just touch on that for a moment because it is, you know, I always get clients who say to me, are you crazy? I couldn't possibly say that. And you said it, you actually were a perfect demonstration there. Breezy, 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 breezy. No big deal. You're not saying I want to marry you because you don't know. You're like on a coffee date with this person. It's just about being on, like when I first met Joe, I was at a festival and we just got talking and it was, I was just so upfront about where I was in my life and what I wanted. And I, what I was so clear, I was like, I don't want another two year relationship or like, I just, I don't want that. And like, you know, you can date someone and get to know them and it might not work out, but you can date them and mm-hmm. they can be very clear that you're not interested in a fling, that you're going to kind of, you know, you're, 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 you, what, mm-hmm. what you actually want. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but it's, it's a different, it's a completely different energy yeah. that you come in with when you're when you know like I said to Joe I was like yeah I'm at the place I want to meet my person now and build a a build a life with someone so I'm not interested in having another two-year relationship if I know it's it's not going anywhere it's just that's not where I am anymore and he was like god it's so refreshing to hear someone be so upfront about it because I'm not used to that he's like I've never heard a woman say that and I'm like well it's my mission (laughs) to get women to say more because the irony is we think it will drive men away it will drive the the wrong men away men who men respect it every time I've spoken to a man they're like I think it is the best advice I wish women would be more honest with me because it's so attractive about someone who has the confidence to own their wants and desires you know and if I feel that I just assume men do too. I mean, I'm very different to men, so maybe not. But like, even just in like platonic relationships and just in in life, when someone is not possessive, not awkward, but just sort of says what their boundaries are, what they need, whatever, I don't walk away thinking Mm -hmm. like, that person's crazy. I walk away thinking like, oh my gosh, how do I do that? (laughs) You know, it's just an incredible Mm -hmm. skill. I agree. Yeah. 
Um, I agree. So, <laughs> back to sex. No, I wasn't going to forget shouldn't. that. Sex is really important, <laughs> and I think that it's. Do you know what? It's a funny one. I, I, it would be tough for me to speak for other thin markets on this because I'm. I'm sure that if you're in yeah. a same-sex relationship, there'd be things that you'd want to straighten out between the sort of dynamics of, of that and what it is that you like and what it is that you want mm-hmm. beforehand, and that will definitely require the same honesty and transparency and I do think that if you're mm-hmm. in a place where you can't sit down and have that conversation then you probably don't know that person well enough for the intimacy of sex anyway um, in terms of Christianity mm-hmm. there's there's a spectrum of where people sit on it and I think that having sex before marriage does not exclude you from being able to be part of a church family or being be a Christian full stop you know I think it's like mm-hmm. It's. I think it's. It's up to you to work out what's right for you in your relationship with God and blah blah blah. Um, most Christians who I know would say that you shouldn't have sex before marriage if you were living to fully to biblical principles. That said, not all of those people mm-hmm. practically outwork that. Um, in the way that they mm-hmm. they may claim to, but a huge number do. And actually, before I was before I was Christian, I remember thinking like, yeah, but come on, you know. And then I got to church and I realised like, actually, how many people are waiting till marriage for sex? And I was blown away. Um, mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. as you say, and as with actually, particularly the teachings of Jesus, there's a load of there's a load of quite off the wall stuff in the Old Testament that no longer really applies to life, right? But the teachings of Jesus, if you look mm-hmm. at those, I definitely had this impression that all of like Christianity was just there to like fuck up my fun. It was like fun basically. Like, okay, so all the things I like I can't do now. You can't get drunk, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't shag mm-hmm. anyone. Like, come on. Um but actually as I've sort of explored it more and slowly sort of chipped away at the negative things in my lifestyle anyway, like drug use and drinking and blah, 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 you can see the logic behind these things. They're not just there to be fun mm-hmm. police. There, there is something really sensible about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I know, well, you know, I've, I've read The Inner Fix. I can't wait to read this recent book as well, but I know that you've had some damaging and upsetting experiences around sex and I have as well and I've been you know all of this like Mm -hmm. hashtag me too hashtag reclaim these streets when when women talk about that you know if I had decided from the age of 15 when I first had sex that I was going to wait till marriage the amount of trauma I would have saved myself is unreal Mm -hmm. um and I'm still unpicking Mm -hmm. things from that sort of 10 years that I was like drinking, using, yeah. shagging about, um, you know, that I w- could really do without having the weight of them. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where I stand on the sex thing. Um, when it comes to mm-hmm. w- basically, I think a work out where you stand and be really clear on that. And when you're clear on it with yourself, mm-hmm. be really clear on it with your partner. And you don't have to say it on the first date because mm-hmm. it's not unless you're a person who wants to have sex on the first date, then you might have to broach the topic. But 
when you're in a stage where you're just mm -hmm. getting to know someone and you don't know what level of intimacy you'll want with them, you don't need to throw in all of your like sex stuff. You can build up to it. And when you're in a place where you feel comfortable, explain where you're at. Mm -hmm. But I would encourage you, obviously, mm -hmm. if the other person wants less than you, don't do anything to manipulate, coerce or convince them to push themselves further than they have initially stated they're comfortable with, both men and women. Because I think women can assume that men will be the ones mm -hmm. who want to go further and that they'll be the ones saying, no, actually, that's mm -hmm. not the case, you know, not always. And if a man, mm -hmm. like, isn't comfortable going down on you or something like that, that's got to be part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. You need, you can't just assume mm -hmm. that as the woman, what you say goes and the guy will adhere to your boundaries. Um, mm -hmm. because you know everyone's got a different line so I think being really straight being really honest mm -hmm. being really unjudgmental of what the other person wants and, and specifically in a Christian mm -hmm. context some people so very few people are actually okay with casual sex no one actually thinks that that's like good but some people will you know mm -hmm. you, you like someone you end up in a situation that you didn't plan for you know but but there are people who think mm -hmm. that within a committed relationship they're really happy to be um physically intimate there are people who would once they're like maybe engaged and then there are people who want to wait till marriage there are some people who'd be happy to do certain things which are sexual but not full sex and that's like a whole other like mm -hmm. if there's a difference there it's like a whole other conversation mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah that is that's a whole other yeah. podcast episode but um, yeah. But yeah exactly so decide which one of those you are and and be really honest about it and allow the other person to express themselves as well. I think that's what's really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about a lot of the mm -hmm. difficult things about dating in a thin market. I'm interested to know what you think some positives might be. And I know that that might be dependent on which thin market. So you can be specific about church but also just yeah. generally I mean like if we go to your and I know it's a bit tongue-in-cheek but you're like golfing example you know if you are dating specifically in your golfing community or in your Jewish community or in your church or with people who are in your age bracket you're likely to have something fundamental in common that is almost like a pin mm -hmm. between you that you can both pivot off of. Do you know what I mean? Something that you, so no matter mm -hmm. how different mm -hmm. you are in other aspects of your life, you'll still always have that thing that you both understand that you're both invested in that, that connects you both. And if that's golf, then that's amazing because it, it just provides an interest and a passion. And it's actually, I, I don't know about you or, or anyone listening, but it's often not so much the way someone looks, while that is important, or their intelligence level or whatever. It's someone's passion that gets me excited about them. It's like what mm. gets them fired up. And when I hear someone, when you hit on that thing, like on a date where they just launch off and they just start telling you things, you're like, oh, wow, you are so sexy right now, you know? So, like, mm -hmm. if you both mm -hmm. share that, that's that's fire. That sparks, mm -hmm. you know, that's so exciting. Mm. Um, and to hear someone mm -hmm. speak really passionately about something that is so important to you is like, it's so attractive. So that I'd say is the best thing mm -hmm. about dating in a thin mm -hmm. market. I would say what I can relate to, not, not that Joe and me were necessarily in a thin market, but the things that we had in common were festivals yeah. and we met at a festival 
dinosaurs and Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park and the that's the biggest one. Oh my gosh, like but no, honestly, obsessed. And the way like you you lo- you laugh, Lauren, but the way that like the synchronicity, I won't go into it now because it's a long story, but like we talked about, let's just say this, we talked about dinosaurs the night we met and Jurassic Park and it was our favourite thing. The and scene. then it was like God, the universe, whatever you want to call that um, energy force, like threw them at us in the most remarkable ways. I could not, I still can't believe it when I when I remember what happened. It was so insane. And 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 just like, even like you can see when I talk about it now, I'm like, ah, I'm the way I write about it in my new book, because because obviously it, it's it does it's irrelevant the dinosaurs thing. It's the it's like what you're talking about when you have a passion and a connection. It it's something. It's like the molecules around you move. Something shifts, and and I'm really passionate about helping women. You know, uh, yeah. get those kind of relationships, not just a boyfriend, like a partner who your life is one big adventure, which includes some obstacles and challenges, which are part of it, and it actually makes it much better. Um, a, a more powerful journey. And um, what else was the other thing? Um, yes. Traveling. Traveling has been a huge part of our relationship. And that's why we've like really missed it the last mm. year and a half. I know we all have, but it was something we did every single year together for like a like a, a good old stint. So I love that. And I, I, I really agree with everything you said there. I am interested to know, what do you feel in the book is if there is one message or point only that you could share in that book what would that be I guess even if you're single you're not alone you know because I feel like Mm. wait am I allowed to expand on that or did you just want the yes no (laughs) I guess there's just in the church definitely but also I think a lot of people would say like maybe their moms or their aunties or someone else has sort of spoken to them in this way and given them this impression is that like you solve the problem that being single is a problem and you solve it by getting in a relationship, getting married, you know, getting some kind of commitment, buying a house together, whatever. Um, when actually being single is not a problem. There are problems associated with being single, like being isolated, like feeling lonely, like not having people to go to nice restaurants with or go on holiday with, as you say, or share that passion with. And actually if in this stage you're in that place where you're single you may feel that people keep going right well let's get you married are you being picky are you on the apps what have you done when was the last time you went on a date did you say no to that guy he seems nice and you look over and he's like snotting on his sleeve and you're like he does not (laughs) (laughs) like all of all of those kind of things when actually the questions they should be asking is do you want to come around for a family meal like what movie should we watch on friday you're really excited about mm. golf. Can I come with you to the driving range? That's that's how you support and encourage a single person, not by slamming them together mm. with other people. And don't get me wrong, being set up is really flattering and often really fun. And, and if you're in the right place for it, it's brilliant. But actually, there are other problems that single people face that we sort of brush off because we just think, I'll be fine because we'll get them married and they won't struggle with that anymore. And I just think that that's a real, that's a real shame. So be single, yes, but don't be lonely. Don't be alone. You know, design a life for yourself. 
where your happiness does not depend on your relationship status. Make sure you're sharing your passions with people, that you have a family home where you can rock up and eat some leftovers from the fridge and put your own dish in the dishwasher, you know? That's it. Like, be in community as much as you possibly can. And then I don't think you'll feel the sting of it as much. Mm. Oh, gosh, we're preaching from the same hymn sheet there, singing from the same hymn sheet. I love that. You know, one of the questions or issues that come up time and time and time again, uh, women DM me or or when they work with me, is is just feeling like the feeling left out. And especially with the whole, the last year and a half we've had, and I always have to remind them, for every part, like for you feeling like you've struggled, and I totally understand that. Just think of all the couples who've wanted to murder their partner and are now going through yeah. a divorce or a breakup. There's, you know, the grass always looks greener from the other side. And one thing I really encourage my clients to do is realize like how much mm. good there is. Like, like, I love what you said about like being mm. single is not a problem. There are so many things that you can do when you're single that you can't do when you're in a relationship yeah, in the same way. And neither is better or worse. They're both just, they're just different. And, you know, I, the reason my, my relationship with Joe, the way it all happened is I made a decision in the summer of 2015. I was like, I'm going to just embrace where I am and appreciate everything Mm. I have in my life and like not feel ashamed or left out for being single because I don't have to. That's my own perception. And yeah, some people might feel triggered by it, by me being single because they see it as a problem, but I don't have to take on their stuff. I don't have to take that on. And that's it, is like appreciative of where you are and excited for what's to come. You can love being single and be excited to have a great relationship with someone. And in fact, I will always say, you will never have a great relationship with someone else until you have one with yourself and until you've made complete peace and love your life as a single person. Like like creating an exciting, vibrant life for yourself when you're single is the most important thing. You cannot expect someone to get in a relationship yeah. and it's like that's going to fix my problems and it's all it's like no yeah. you will just take those problems into that relationship and it will like that th- that is the fastest way to to get a partner to resent you like that is not a strong foundation for a I relationship. always remember so this is from <laughs> okay this is going to make me seem like some sort of mega fan girl and I'm not going to lie on my Amazon the inner fix is the book I bought most because I've bought six copies because I've bought it for loads of friends <laughs> But in the inner fix, you say, take yourself out on a date. And I do that. Mm. In between the lockdowns last year, Mm. there was like a one-man show in the West End when no theatre was running. And it was really weird. And it was like face masks and boiler suits everywhere. And like it was like this post-apocalyptic theatre trip. But I went and I I had a three-course pre-theatre dinner at a French restaurant in Soho and then I went off and I got like the pre-theatre menu so it wasn't even that expensive went off to see this show and I treated myself to a taxi home because I know how to date myself do you know what I mean I know what I and it mm. was so much fun and I forced I took my phone out a little bit at dinner but I forced myself to like just enjoy the moment and just sit there and enjoy the food yes. and enjoy my own company in the beautiful surroundings and just sort of breathe and it was really, really nice. Mm. So if people haven't done that yet, just definitely do it. I think it's excellent advice. In fact, we're going to, that's our challenge, mine and Lauren's challenge for you. And actually, even if you are in a relationship, I want you to take yeah. yourself on a date anyway, because they, you know, you're only going to be, um, 
as great a partner to anyone else as you are to yourself. So you, it's important to, to spend quality mm. time with you. I really believe that. And, and your relationship will improve. And if you're single, you will become, like if, you're, if you are desiring of spending time with yourself, then other people are going to decide to spend time with you. If you are looking for someone else, like what I used to do, I hated being on my own because I just, you know, I had so much unresolved stuff that I just was so uncomfortable. But then I'd be with people and they could feel that neediness and that sort of just very lost at sea. So you need to, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I've heard recently, advice, I can't remember who it was from, but it was, you know, you need to become the safest person for you to be around. And not just, and I would add, not just the safest, but like the best. Like, what do you, like you said, what do you love in another person? Passion. Okay, well, I need to go and do things that are going to like bring that passion out in me. What other things are you attracted to in other people? Confidence. Okay, well, I'm going to work on my confidence. Whatever it is that you're attracted to in someone else, you need to develop those qualities in yourself. And then you'll be so busy doing that. You won't have time to stress and worry about dating and what people think and you know like you just don't and 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 that is I always find it it's like when you're in just in your own lane doing your own thing that's when it always happens and it's the most annoying thing in the world isn't it people say well you know it always happens when you're not looking and you're like I'm not looking I'm not looking but you are but it's it is true that you know I I desired to meet someone at the festival where I met Joe, but I didn't think I would. And I, I was just, I, my whole thing was surrender to the festival. Let her take you wherever she wants to take you. Enjoy the experience. Be present. Be in the moment. Be with whoever you're with instead of like trying to meet up with other friends, like always trying to get to the next moment because I feel like this, some, something is wrong here. And if we could just do that in our life, in our love life, but in our life in general, make peace with this moment. Life becomes so much easier and more enjoyable. And even today, like I've had all sorts of tech issues. We're releasing stuff around my book. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And I had that moment of like, I can choose to throw my toys at the pram, which is what I want to do and just be livid and like, it's been the worst day. I'm so stressed. Or I could just like be like, no one really cares. You care. No one really cares. It's always you know, I, I don't have to choose to go into the negative spiral. And I think that so is the case of whatever dating situation you find yourself in right now, choose to embrace it and choose to see the good in it. And like, I get my clients to write out a list, all the brilliant things about being single, because there are so many. Lauren, you've been amazing. I've loved this chat so much. It's, it's totally turned my day around. So thank you. You are fabulous. Your book is brilliant. I really cannot recommend it enough. Thank you so much for sharing um, it with me in advance. And I really hope you guys got a lot from this episode. Sending you lots of love. Mwah! And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope these episodes help you find dates that become mates and flings that become things with men who are ready, willing and able to actually commit. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and leave me a review if you're getting value from these episodes. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other people who want or need the support. To have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. See you next week, gorgeous. I release a new episode every Tuesday. But until then, remember, love is coming for you. So surrender to the festival that is life on planet Earth and trust that what misses you was not meant for you and what's meant for you will not miss you, including your soulmate. <laughs>